Many of you guys know that I very first started in a small trailer selling hot dogs. And I've often talked about having a hot dog cart, which has a very distinctive look. And most people, when they see a hot dog cart, know that it sells hot dogs. I also had many people come up to that hot dog cart and say, Hey, can I have a hamburger? What do you do when someone comes up to you and asks for a product that you definitely do not have on your menu? Or they ask you about what y'all got? So let's talk about menus today. Welcome to the 10 Minute Food Truck Training Podcast. My name is Bill Moore. I am a food truck business coach, author of five food truck vending books, including Food Truck 101 and Food Truck 201. This podcast is all about helping you start and grow your food truck business. This episode is being sponsored by our friends at Table Needs. If you're a food truck owner searching for a simple yet powerful system to run your food truck business, let me tell you about Table Needs. Table Needs is the complete package offering a robust point of sale system with baked in QR code menu ordering, a KDS, and automated sales tax, plus hands on customer support that works with you to help you grow your business. For more information, visit tableneeds.com or find them on Facebook. Now on with today's topic. Basically, a menu comes down to being just a list of food that you sell on your trailer, your food truck, your hot dog cart. Pretty simple. But every single day, people are going to step up to you and say, hey, do you sell? They're going to ask for a product that you definitely do not have. And it's going to seem painfully obvious to you that, hey, there's a list of food I sell right there where you're standing. And yet they may sit and look or stand and look at your menu and then ask you for something that's not on the menu. Or they'll ask you questions that you think are very well defined, like you have a large sub and they say, well, how big is that? But it's painfully obvious to you how big that large sub is because you make them every single day. But to that guest, they have no clue what large is to you. So we're going to talk about some things you can do to kind of quell those questions and then how to handle some of those questions. The food truck industry bases a lot of what it does on the restaurant industry. I mean, after all, we're very, very similar. We sell food. We help people come in and buy the food. It's what a restaurant hopes. It's what we hope as a food truck owner. We are in what's known as the hospitality industry. So I'm going to challenge each and every one of you that has gotten that person that says, hey, do you sell? And then they follow that up with a product you don't sell. I want you to examine your menu. And then also examine your reaction to what you feel like is a dumb question. Many menus that I've seen, and I have seen hundreds of food truck menus, many of those menus are nothing more than a wall of words. And for a lot of people, a wall of words is distracting, it's hard to read, doesn't make sense to them. We all had that friend in school, and you could have actually even been you, that as soon as they had a test, freaked out. They might know the information and should have been able to pass the test, but the fact that it's laid out in question form, you freaked out. Couldn't answer the questions. For a lot of people, menus are just like that. They're a wall of words. They're a piece of paper filled with words that forces them to have to connect their hunger with whatever those words are. Some people can't make that connection. People that have true OCD, 
And I'm not talking about the people that like to put on their Instagram and Facebook and TikToks and all those things. But I have OCD and I can't like I can't stand his mess. I'm talking about people that really have OCD, the ones that have been diagnosed with it, the ones that take medicine to help keep them calm and help keep them from being panicked and anxious whenever they see those jumbled up messes. For a lot of people like that, your menu is a jumbled up mess. You might think it's laid out in logical order, but what they see is a mess. So now they're a little tense. They're a little panicked. And how do you know that people are panicked and frustrated? They ask you this question. Well, tell me what your favorite thing is or what y'all got that's good. What do you recommend? Now you're going, well, I would recommend this because I like it. But then there's a whole bunch of owners out there that get frustrated and upset with that question. Well, how do I know what you like? And then they don't answer the question or they give them some smug remark when the guest is honestly wanting you to help them decide. Or maybe you've heard a group of people come up and one of them says, I don't know, I'll take whatever you're having. That's telling you they find your menu too difficult to understand. And so they're just letting somebody else who's, who has read the menu decide what they're going to eat. They've done that out of frustration. They don't like what they see on the menu. And I'm not talking about they don't like the food you're selling. They don't like how the menu's laid out. It's made them feel bad internally. So they just want to back out of the situation and let somebody else order some food. Because after all, they came there because they're hungry. And they were met with a menu that was hard to read, hard to understand, and they're frustrated. It really doesn't matter how small you think your menu is. To somebody, your menu's overwhelming. I sold hot dogs. It's the only product that I sold. But you know what? You had a hot dog with mustard. You had a hot dog with onions and mustard. You had a hot dog with chili. You had all different kind of combinations. And for some people, that is just overwhelming. Now, if you're thinking, well, Bill, then they just don't need to be eaten out. Go ahead and get out of the business now. You don't understand human nature. And you're going to end up being frustrated with all the people that are going to ask you those questions about your menu. If you don't have any photographs, or even if you do have photographs, it's hard to judge real size from a photograph unless there's something in there that people know has a common standard size. You might say, well, I'm putting it with a bag of chips. That's a common size. And they should be able to tell how big my sandwich is. Well, go to any grocery store that sells chips. You have bags of chips that are scaled down to three quarters of an ounce. Those are the snack size ones. Go to a convenience store and you can get one that's one and a half ounces, two ounces even, and they're scaled up. Exact same package. Everything is identical except the amount of food in the bag. And then of course, how big the bag is. So if you stick your sandwich next to a snack size bag of chips, it looks huge, but it doesn't tell the person who's trying to figure out how big that sandwich is, what its real size is. So they ask you, hey, how large is that large sub? Could be six inches, could be eight inches, could be 12 inches. There's 15 inch sub rolls out there. There are 18 inch baguettes out there that people just slice and turn into subs. So just because you think your sub is a standard size doesn't mean that it's standard for anybody else. Help people with your menu descriptions. Help them understand what they're ordering. When you get those kind of questions, the guest is trying to be efficient. They know there's a line behind them. They know that they're taking too long to order. They're already frustrated on the inside because they've had to read what they feel like is a complicated menu. So they ask you, hey, just help me out here. How big is it? Do I need to order two? Because I'm really, really hungry. Or will one be enough? They're begging you practically to help them to make a decision. And then you just want to stay in there and whine about it. Come on, dudes, right there, it's large. You're in the hospitality industry. You're in guest service industry. Try being a servant and take care of these people rather than being the arrogant overlord. Well, stupid, can't you read? 
That's what a lot of owners do. Go look on the Facebook groups. You'll find somebody who's arrogant and complains about the people that are coming there trying to give them money, and they'll complain about them. They're in the wrong business. They're going to be somebody that's going to be up for sale in the next few years. I can promise you, somebody that loves this industry and loves the people that are willing to come up and say, hey, I would love to give you this $20 bill in exchange for that really good-looking burger or that really good-looking sub sandwich. That's what they're doing, and you're going to complain about them because they want to know how big it is? The restaurant industry has screwed up anybody that's got any kind of age, and they've done it trying to get bigger and bigger portions out there for people to buy because bigger portions have a bigger perceived value so they can up the price. And that price being upped is not in relationship to the cost. In the 1970s, when I first started, we had two sizes of drinks. We had a 12 ounce and a 16 ounce, large and small, pretty simple. When you have a choice of one or the other, it makes it real easy for people. Yes, I'll take a large. And there's not a lot of difference between 12 and 16 ounces, but for some people, that was a lot of soda to drink. And they would gladly take that large 16 ounce soda, and it would be enough for them. Well, then the drink manufacturers thought, well, hey, if we come up with bigger cups and encourage people to order more drinks, we'll sell more drinks. Because it's that perceived value. Add on a few more ounces and charge way more money for it. Because after all, who wants to get a small when they can get a large? So the 20 or 22 ounce cup became the new large. And then that old large, the 16 ounce one became the medium. So you had small, medium, large. Pretty simple. People could see them lined up side by side by side and go, okay, I'll take that one in the middle. That's got to be medium because it's in the middle. Then Wendy said, hey, let's throw a wrench into this whole works of drink naming and we'll introduce what we call a biggie. That was a 32 ounce drink. And then they kept the same naming convention for the small, the medium, and the large. They had a 12, a 16, and a 20, small, medium, large. But hey, if you want a biggie, you want to be something different. That's a 32 ounce. Other chains added on the 32 ounce because they didn't want to be left behind either. And they would call it extra large or king size or whatever made sense to their brand. But still, you line up the cups and you go small, medium, large, extra large. Makes sense. That's how you buy clothing. That's how you buy a lot of things. Small, medium, large, extra large. I can deal with that. Then somebody said, hey, if we can put 32 ounces, we can do 44 ounces. So they threw in a 44-ounce cup. And that's about the biggest cup that you can get that'll still fit under a standard size soda fountain. At least the ones that used to be in restaurants. Now, I know there's 64-ounce cups, but those soda fountains had to be taller. And that's not always easy to do, especially if you already have one that's only so many inches tall. You can't get a 64-ounce cup and it'd be wide like a dog bowl. So they come up with a 44-ounce and, and then somebody in marketing goes, Hey, let's rename everything. So the 12 ounce became a kid's cup, 16 became a small, 22 became the medium, 32 became large, and then you got the 44 where they said, hey, we'll call it king size if we're Burger King, or we'll call it extra large if we're McDonald's, or we'll call it something else based on our brand. So now the general public is really, really confused. Somebody's got any kind of age, small used to be 12 ounce, and now it's called kids. 16 used to be medium, and now it's used to be called large, and it went to medium, and now it's called small. 22 used to be large, now it's called medium. And then you wonder why people are confused. And this is just freaking drinks. Now to add insult to injury, we have marketing departments, people that have gone to college supposedly, and they decide that we're going to create combos. Get a sandwich, a side, and a drink. It's a combo. We'll give you a discount. That's awesome. But to make things difficult for everybody involved, they forced employees and guests to play who's on first, that comedy routine from Abbott and Costello, whenever a guest would step up to order a burger combo. So let's think about this. I'm a guest. I step up and say, hey, employee, I would love to have a burger combo. 
The employee, if they're properly trained and follow the training, will say, will that be a large combo? Congratulations, they've done their job. To which me, if I decide, nah, I'm not really hungry, you know, I'll just take a small, That's, that'll work. And then the employee has to say, sorry, combos don't come in small. And then I have to say, well then, give me a medium. And of course, I'm thinking, just give me the smallest size you're allowed to sell as a combo where I can get the stupid discount in the first place. I don't care what you call it, just give me the smallest thing you sell as a combo. Now, I am super frustrated because of an idiot sitting in an office somewhere has said, Hey, can't sell a combo as a small. It's got to be medium. We want to get them to put more money in the, in the bank. I don't care what y'all call it from your home office. I want the smallest thing you're allowed to sell. Logically, that should be called small. Because if you're selling me a medium-sized something as a combo, that implies there's something smaller than it. And then you guys wonder why guests get up there and they get frustrated when they read your menu and your menu's not set up like every other food truck on the block. Hey, I want to be different. So I'm going to put my drinks in a whole different place and I'm going to put my sandwiches up here and I'm going to put a picture over here that has nothing to do with the words that are beside of it. Because I'm going to be different. I'm unique. Now the guest that steps up is frustrated because you're unique. All of this boils down to frustration for the guest, for the employee, for you as the owner. And then you add some nonsense that Starbucks created with this drink-size nomenclature. And then you want to complain about somebody who's not reading your menu? Why do they need to read 50,000 different food trucks who call their stuff different things? You should be joyful that they chose you in the first place. And then you need to figure out a way to communicate your menu in a manner that reduces the questions that you find annoying. I can assure you, outside of the occasional joker... Most guests are there. They just want your help. Hey, dude, I'm hungry. Your menu's too much for me to read. Suggest something to me. Walt Disney World and Disneyland, they train their employees how to answer what they have as the most annoying question. Hey, cast member, what time does the 3 o'clock parade start? Now, the question in and of itself is self-answering. 3 o'clock parade starts at what time? 3 o'clock. But what Disney teaches their cast members to do is dig deeper and figure out what the guest really wants to know. What are they really asking? In most cases, what they're asking is, what time will the parade be here where I'm standing so I can figure out what to do with my kids until the parade gets here where I'm standing? They could be at the very end of the parade route, and that 3 o'clock parade starts on the other side of the park. And it might be 45 minutes before it ever gets to where they're standing. That's what they want to know. But the question that they ask was a concise, what time does the 3 o'clock parade start? So somebody comes up to you and says, hey, what do you got is good? Tell them what you're most proud of to sell. Tell them what the most expensive thing you have on the menu is and what has the most profit to it. It doesn't matter. They're asking you for a suggestion so they don't have to read your freaking menu. Make it easy on your guest. If you're not willing to make it easy and you're not willing to accept people that are asking questions, you are going to be one frustrated person in the hospitality industry. And if you think about it, if you're not willing to interact with your guests, you might as well just set up a vending machine because then you don't have to worry about talking to them at all. Thank you so much for listening to the 10-Minute Food Truck Training Podcast. If you're finding all the information helpful to your food truck business, please become a monthly supporter of the podcast. Just hit the support button or follow the link in the description. Every little bit does help keep us going. Join our Facebook group. It's called Food Truck Training. We have a whole bunch of awesome members at all different levels, from brand new beginners to decades-old veterans. They've all got your back when it comes to helping you with your food truck. And again, thank you for listening. Come back tomorrow because you know i got plenty more to say when it comes to helping you and your food truck business grow.